Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Neil Haley Show. You can check me out on Twitter at TotalTutorNeilHaley.com. And I consider this woman just unbelievable. If you're looking at a woman athlete that can compete better than the men, this is just a tremendous story. So I'm excited to welcome to the program. Jesse Graff from American Ninja Warrior. Jesse, thanks for calling. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Fantastic. Now, Jesse, how tell us the story of why you competed in American Ninja Warrior. What gave you that idea that you could do this? Um, well, initially it just looked like fun, and I thought it was something I would jump into, see how I did, and have a great time. And um, I really started training seriously for it when I blew out my knee um, it, right around season six. And normally, you know, I train – gymnastics, tons of different styles of martial arts and flipping and free running and all these things that required legs. And I needed some athletic challenge that I could work on while my legs recovered from, you know, a major ACL surgery, which takes about a year. And so I just decided, well, Ninja Warrior was a lot of fun. Everyone was really nice. Let's work towards that because that'll keep me occupied and inspired. And so I worked on pull-ups and grip strength and became better friends with all the competitors who do it year after year and and just fell in love with it. And after that year of training for it, competed and had a great time and did really well. And it just became a huge part of my life, so I kept working on it. And did you ever think that you would be a world record holder and that you would be uh... – one of the top competitors in American Ninja Warrior. We can't say men, women. It's just top competitor. Did you think that was going to ever happen? <laughs> Thank you. Well, in a way, yes and no. When I was in high school, I was a pole vaulter, and I would beat a lot of the boys in the competitions, and I I really dreamed of being a world record holder in the pole vault. And I won um, three indoor and outdoor state championships, and that was just the goal. It was like my whole life revolved around school and pole vaulting and when that didn't work out for me when I didn't make you know I I was close to the Olympic trials but didn't make it and it was really tough and I didn't know if I'd ever have a chance at something like that again and so getting to train for and compete in American Ninja Warrior and then to rise to the top of the pack and hold records is a dream come true in a totally different way than I ever imagined. I'm sure, I'm sure for sure. And when you did finally break that world record and you finished that obstacles, how did you feel? I mean, you think of athletes in there when they finally accomplish something they dream about. How did it feel once you were finished and you did it? It was, gosh, I don't know. It was this wave of relief and elation. And it was just so many years had gone into this, not just, you know, the maybe three years that I'd been training for Ninja Warrior, but all those years of training for gymnastics and pole vaulting and wanting to to have that experience so badly and then, you know, failing at both of those things, gymnastics and pole vaulting, and then getting to experience it in this other sport was just overwhelming, and I, I don't even know how to describe it. Well, I, I, I adulation, uh, all the uh, everything in between as a, as a competitor. What what would you uh, offer advice to young people, especially young girls that are or young women that want to compete in this sport? What what uh, what advice would you offer them about doing this? Um, well, first, never let anyone tell you you can't do something because you're a girl. That's just silly. Um, 
do understand that we don't gain muscle as easily as men. So if you want to keep up with them and beat them, you have to work harder and smarter. Um, I, I do a lot of studying on how do I gain muscle the most quickly and efficiently, but also how many rest days do I have to take? What muscle groups do I have to rest? And how do you gain tendon strength? And how much rest do you have to take? So you just have to train smarter um, to feel impossible. That's normal. You try it and you fail a lot of times and learn to enjoy that as part of the journey because the more times you fall in effort of gaining a new skill, the more worthwhile it is, the more exciting when you achieve it. And, you know, it's not just people who can do things and people who can't. It's how hard and how long are you willing to work for it? And can you find those friends that will make that journey enjoyable? Uh, that's, that's, that's great advice. I'm waiting for the book to come out, Jesse. I'm sure that's coming soon, right? Working on a book at one point to tell your story? <laughs> I don't know about soon. I'm definitely collecting all my life lessons, and uh, but um, gosh, sitting down and writing a book would be <laughs> quite a time commitment, but maybe someday. <laughs> How many hours do you train a day? That's another great thing to think about for uh, our listeners out there. Yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. So much of it feels like playing. I would say that maybe one hour a day feels like the really boring, disciplined injury prevention work where I'm, you know, in the weight room or in the physical therapy room, just specifically building those muscles that maybe get neglected doing the fun things. Um, but sometimes I'm working a 12- to 19-hour day on set, and maybe I'm physically active a large portion of that time, or maybe I'm in in a corner in wardrobe trying not to mess up the hair and makeup that they spent so long doing and, and don't get to work out. Um, but on a day that I have to myself, I'm probably going to spend an hour doing my pull-up workout and another hour or two, like, riding my bike from one place to another and two to three hours rock climbing so it, it varies dramatically from day to day. Wow. Okay. Well, it's a lot of fun, but when would you be able to write a book? That's a great point. So what, 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 were, you, what were your thoughts about Monday night? Tell me about your thoughts about Monday night. Gosh, it's um, we're starting a new season after having a season that went so well is intimidating for sure because people sometimes forget it's not just a test of strength and agility. A huge part of this is, you know, these really finicky and volatile obstacles where a tiny misstep, everything is over before you get to test your strength. Um, so it's, it's really scary going into that, not knowing if you're going to get far enough to really push those limits or if it's just going to suddenly end in a splash on the second or third obstacle um, because you just don't know what to expect. Um, I know the expectations are pretty high on me, but... But you have to remember, um, going into an obstacle course like this, the most important thing is that training for it has given me so much new strength and agility and capability that I can use in my life. And that's more important than, than performing well on an obstacle course. But I'm, I'm really excited to see how I can challenge myself and, and the experience of being in such a high-pressure situation and testing your limits in a safe way and seeing how do you adapt to that pressure. Can you keep your mind about you when the lights and camera are on and you have to perform? Um, so facing the part that is the scariest is also a rush and a really good learning experience for anyone. All right, so everyone needs to tune in Monday nights to American Ninja Warrior at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. Best place we can find information on you so we can root you on and find out what's going on with you. Where's the best place we can connect with you? Where can we go? Um, all, all of my social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter is Jesse Graff Power, J-E-S-S-I-E-G-R-A-F-S-P-W-R. And for our listeners out there that understand, you do stunt work as well. So you're a busy, busy person for sure. And uh, best of luck in the continued success on American Ninja Warrior, and we'll be rooting for you, okay? Thank you so much. Thanks, Jesse. Take care. All right, see ya. Okay. Bye. You're listening. See ya. You're listening to Neil Haley's show. We'll be back in just a moment. 
Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Neil Haley Show. You can check me out on Twitter at TotalTutor and NeilHaley.com, and I'm excited to welcome the program. And uh, we remember him from The Hobbit and many other things. Graham McTavish, AMC's The Preacher. Graham, thanks for calling. How are you? Um, happy to be here. Happy to be here, Neil. Yeah. Absolutely. Here's a quick question, Graham. The, your experience with the Hobbit series and stuff like that, what did you gain as an actor being part of that project for so many years? Uh, well, it, it, was a, it was a great life experience as much as a job. Uh, that's really, I guess, what distinguished it really from anything else that I'd done up to that point. And, you know, you made lifelong friends. Uh, you worked with people for two and a half years in that kind of intense environment. I mean, in the case of the guys like me who were playing the dwarves, um, you know, we were carrying around up to 70 pounds of, of extra body weight with our costumes and wow. weapons and, and all the rest of it. And, you know, you experience that together uh, and it bonds you. Um, so that was that was one thing. And, and another thing that I did was I fell in love with New Zealand, um, where I now have a home. So oh, wow. uh, it's yeah. um, it was an amazing, amazing experience. It really was uh, one that I will never forget. How much? How much time all together did you film all the films? Uh, spent time shooting and stuff, and all for all the for all the, the movies. Well, I would guess you're probably talking about close to 300 main unit shooting days and over 200 second unit shooting days. So, yeah, it's it was spread over two and a half years. We had the odd break here and there. Uh, but yeah, it was it was pretty full on, um, and uh, you know every day, you know I would have to have a, a prosthetic applied to my face, um, oh, and uh, get out there and uh, and charge around in Middle Earth, which was which is New Zealand, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. New Zealand is Middle Earth. It, it's quite it's quite extraordinary, really. Yeah. And it's really interesting, Graham, that thinking about that is that the relationships, not many times you get to develop friendships and bonds with other actors and actresses on set as much as you can when you film for that many days. You know, yep. normal, normal shoots are not like that. You might be on a, a, a certain no, TV show. No, they're not. No, they're not. I mean, yeah. even, a, even a really big, you know, Hollywood movie nowadays, maybe 80 days, that would be a big one. Uh, so to be going into the hundreds, um, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're rolling in, you know, multiple film experiences into one, really. And, uh, and in, in, this, in this particular case, you know, I got to know uh, that, group of, that group of men and women in a way that uh, I, I've never before or since. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was unique. All right, so let's talk about AMC's The Preacher uh, and, and uh, tell us a little bit about your character, Graham. Well, in in Preacher, I play the Saint of Killers. Um, okay. Up to this point, he's been known as uh, just a sort of anonymous, the, the cowboy. And uh, after his sojourn in hell for the last 140 years or so, uh, he, he reemerges. Um, you saw him at the end of season one uh, enter the world of the 21st century. And... Um, when we begin in season two, it's, we pick up straight away, really, with that. And he is he is a relentless killing machine, is, uh, you know, as one of the characters describes him, a beast from hell. And uh, he is on the trail of Jesse, Tulip, and Cassidy. Jesse particularly because he, he is host to um, Genesis, which is an, an entity that um, is a union of, of an angel and a demon, um, and it's my task to get it back. Uh, and um, Jesse happens to be in the way, as do a lot of other people. And uh, those other people meet meet a pretty grisly end. So um, he's uh, he's not somebody you want who's going to stand and have a conversation with you. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, he's not called the same yeah. conversations. To, to, no. to get listeners that and viewers that have not uh, watched AMC's The Preacher, tell us a little bit about the premise of the show, uh, so that people that we can get new fans well, of the show for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's based on a series of uh, of comics uh, written by Garth Ennis and Steve Dillon, and uh, they they explore um, really the the relationship that 
we all have with the good and the bad within us. That's the broad story. Um, all of the principal characters wrestle with their own inner demons um, that are, in the case of Preacher, externally manifested in, you know, heaven, hell, God, the devil. Uh, and, um, yes, they, they all struggle with that. Uh, and Jesse and Tulip and Cassidy um, are the three, the three little gang that, that travel around together. Jesse is a, a preacher from Texas. Um, Tulip is his female assassin girlfriend. And Cassidy is his best friend who happens to be an Irish vampire. And I am, I am a 19th century cowboy um, who has gone quite literally through hell, who is on their trail. And that's essentially the story of Preacher. Um, there are many other characters in it as well. Uh, extraordinary characters. Um, there was one who's hair star who's in charge of this sort of crypto fascist organization called the grail um there's eugene who's also known as Arseface, and um <laughs> you know just from his name alone i think you can gather <laughs> yes, what yes, he yes. looks like um and and many many others who are slowly being introduced into the show and uh it's it's a fantastic, wild, crazy ride. Well, it definitely seems like a fantastic, wild, crazy ride. Again, uh, se- season two premieres <laughs> on June twenty fifth. Uh, people need definitely need to go ahead and uh, check out AMC. But it's interesting when you talk about at ten p.m. Eastern. Uh, what's really interesting when you talk about this is that there is a struggle between good and evil in all our lives. What we deal with grandma on every day that yeah. are we going to do good or are we going to do bad? Yeah. And we could always have this, this mindset yeah. that we want to do good. And then somebody turns us Absolutely. on the wrong direction, but this is giving it a little bit more of an yeah. extreme way of how our mind goes every day. In so many ways, even though it's yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know that's what Garth and Steve were exploring in the books, and that's what um, you know Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg and Sam Catlin, who are who are the guys that are in charge of the TV show, really are are exploring as well. And and those are things that we all recognise. They just happen in this case to be set in a very stylish, witty, playful <laughs> environment. Um, I mean, that's I think one of the important things about Preacher is that yeah, these these some pretty bad things happen in it and there's some crazy stuff but it's all done with a great wit and um there are moments when you're watching preacher where you you catch yourself laughing out loud and you think oh my <laughs> oh no i shouldn't be laughing at that that's just terrible oh no but you can't help but laugh and that's that's the the unique thing i think about preacher in the television landscape is that it takes these these really quite extreme people uh, places them in this um this sort of wild, crazy environment and does it with a sense of humor. That's important for sure. And our our conscious would not be an interesting thing, Graham, to put on because our conscious is every day. The the good should should I do good should I do bad but this is in the extremes for sure and then you can laugh about it as well Graham you're a fantastic spokesperson for this show good job on that uh, sometimes wow. actors don't have that ability but you definitely do for sure oh well thanks very much no I appreciate that yeah okay so the best place we can find information on you Graham and follow you where can we go is there are you on social media and connected in oh. different ways yeah. Yes, I'm on. I'm on uh, all of those things: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, yeah, Graham McTavish. That's all you need to look for there. And um, and you know, uh, if you're if you're a fan of uh, Scotland, then then check out Outlander, which I did um, for two seasons, which was uh, which was a great joy going back to my home nation, and of course the Hobbit and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, yeah, there's there's plenty of there's plenty to keep you busy. Well, Graham, you're awesome. Good talking to you. Best of luck. And I'm definitely going to check out season two. Okay. Good talking to you. All right. Well, thanks very much indeed. All right. Thanks, Graham. See ya. Okay. Take care. See you later. All right. All right. Bye bye. -bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show. We'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley show. You can check me out on Twitter at TotalTutor and NeilHaley.com. And uh, this is going to be a really fun conversation. I'm excited to welcome the program. Celebrity Jessica Morris. Jessica, thanks for calling. You're going to talk about Ladies of the Lake. Hi. Amazon's Ladies of the Lake. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely, Jessica. Now, for our listeners out there, what would you consider your biggest break in acting? Tell us that story. 
That's because it's always a great thing to know when we decided to act and what kind of led you to where you are today. I mean, my biggest break, I would say, was when I booked the role in One Life to Live because before that I had done, like, my very first role was, like, a horror film, and I'd done, like, little roles here and there, but that was my biggest job that I booked. And um, I remember, actually, my my agent, who was just really great and supportive, um, she she kind of tricked me. She uh, she had me come into her office and didn't tell me what, what it was about. And this is after I had, like, flown to New York to screen test, come back, hadn't heard anything for a few months. And um, so she had me come into the office. I sat there. She looks at me very seriously and asks, what happened when you were in New York? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, was, I just, like, my I, I turned bright red. I, like, couldn't breathe. I thought I did something wrong. I thought I was in trouble or something. I'm like, right, right. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I thought it was fine. And, and she was like, well, look at this. She hands me a piece of paper, and it was, like, the offer for the five-year contract. Wow. And I was like, it took me a minute to, like, even process it, you know, because I was yeah, just like, yeah. what? You know, and then I was just basically jumping up and down. And I remember my brother was in town visiting at the time, and I just... I was just running and jumping and running down the hallway of my apartment. I'm just like so happy. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And you know, it's interesting when you talk about a five year contract. Not many acting gigs get you a five year contract, right? No, not at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why it was like a, a you know, my biggest, uh, my first biggest job for sure. And what would you say is one of your greatest memories of being on One Life to Live? Oh. You know, I just, you know, I met a lot of good friends. I would say uh, me and Melissa Archer, she's still, like, one of my best friends. And so meeting her was great. We just, uh, we used to have fun together all the time. And uh, I'm trying to think of an exact memory, but it was a while ago. <laughs> um, I do remember one time, it was kind of funny. We both went to this event for, for the show, and we didn't understand what the attire was supposed to be. Okay. And um, so we both ended up dressing really inappropriately, but <laughs> we did it together. So it's kind of funny when we look back because everyone was dressed very kind of like business casual. And we were wearing like these big, like faux fur coats. <laughs> and we just went like total, just tacky, glammed out. Like, and I really don't know what we were thinking, but we were younger and we had fun with it. And everyone was just looking at us like we were bonkers. Exactly, and that and that's the 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 fun thing of uh, doing shows uh, for like that for sure. And now, interesting now, your latest project involving Ladies of the Lake, uh, it, because it was a book before this mini series on Amazon. So explain uh, how this project developed, uh, especially because it's very interesting to look at a book into a mini series and the kind of soap opera kind of relationship that. It brings to the table uh, with the writer and maybe there's some sort of relationship from one life to live of why you're on this. So tell us about that. Oh, you're asking like what yeah. the connection is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Getting involved in the yeah. book of soaps. Yeah. Um, you know, it definitely is through, through connections that you make. Um, I, I, you know, the friends that I have kept from the soap, you know, once they, you know, move back to LA and then we hang out and then, you know, through them, you can invite to a party and then you meet someone else there and then they invite you to another party. And then, yeah, you know, it's just, it's, it's how, how, how it works. The networking is a huge part of getting work in the entertainment industry. And, um, so it's the same in the soap world as it is, you know, with any other, I guess, type of acting or group of people. Absolutely, I guess, but I was saying... It's a huge movie I, 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 for all the same actors, yeah. work with the same directors. Yeah, I was looking at, you know, Days of Our Lives, uh, producer, if there was some sort of relationship you had with him based on when you were in One Life to Live, if he was involved producing, that's what I was wondering. Just because, again, having somebody who's uh, that wrote the book, Ladies of the Lake, and then decided to put it into a miniseries, that's a little different, especially for uh, this yeah. producer, right? Yeah, that's where I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I... I I had never worked on Days of Our Lives. I had met Michael Caruso, I believe, at, at a work event. And, um, and, yeah, I think he just had, you know, seen my work around town and kind of thought that I was perfect for that series and for the character. So that worked out. 
Absolutely. Is that so? The kind of looking at that story of Ken's uh, uh, whole story. Th- that's a little different for somebody that you know he's produced before, but wrote a book. A, a book and then it ends up becoming a miniseries. Is he used to doing that? Is has he done other uh, where he's kind of wrote a screenplay before a screenwrite before it ended up becoming a, a TV show or miniseries? This is the only one I know of, but I mean, he could have some some secret novels, you know, hiding that I don't know about. <laughs> Hopefully, he does. It'd be great if he had some other cool ideas for some series. And that brings some of the fans to the table before even the the miniseries comes out, right? Because people that have written the have read the book, right? The novel, right? That's cool. exactly. Which yeah. always makes you kind of nervous because you know you don't want to give storylines away when you do interviews, but you're kind of well the book, so I guess you can't tell everyone what's about because. They're going to know anyway. Exactly, you're going to you're going to see those certain situations where yeah yeah and and that, there you go for sure. Uh, let's kind of talk about your character and then we'll talk about Ladies of the Lake. Yeah, kind of the connection of those sure. two. Sure, go ahead. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about it. I'm sorry. No, I, I wanted you to tell us about little, what about Ladies of the Lake, your character. Oh yeah, it's about these um these women that live in this um, fictional kind of um, very wealthy ritzy community. And um, as perfect as they seem on the outside, they have a lot of secrets and, and, you know, kind of abusive relationships and husbands and things that they're trying to overcome. And uh, little by little, they all kind of gather their strength and, you know, their unity as friends and uh, start offing their husbands. (laughs) And hopefully you don't feel too, you know, judgmental about that, because even though it is a terrible thing to kill someone in this series, you, I think you really feel for the women, and you're just glad that they're getting out of those situations. And you know, even yeah. could be there could be better ways to do that. Let's say in real life, in <laughs> yes. a fictional circumstance, it's very entertaining to watch. It's it definitely seems like it's going to be something that's that's entertaining to watch because of the fact that you know some people just are fed up with what their cheating husbands or whatever abusive husbands and what what a way to kind of live through this and say oh my gosh this is they, they did the exactly. lady, ladies of the lake did the right thing uh for sure in so right many ways. So, yeah. you know women at home that are just like so angry with their husbands and can't believe what they've done they can watch the show and just live vicariously through us don't actually kill your husbands because then you're going to end up on orange is the new black and that's not going to be good. <laughs> and they're going to be on the Orange is the New Black, but they're not going to be on Netflix's. <laughs> they're going to be behind yeah. bars. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so that, that, don't don't live don't no advice on this for sure and all those different things. Um, have you <laughs> been connecting on social media with people that have read the book even before the series has come out and saying, "Oh, I can't wait to watch this because I've read the book and really loved it." You know, that's a great idea. I think that, uh, you know, I should have talked to you and you should have given me that advice like months before. Because <laughs> I, I didn't even think to do that. Yeah, you wouldn't believe this, these connections of Amazon original programming that uh, the, 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 it's really cool because some of them were books before they became shows. And that you're mm-hmm. bringing this whole audience in before even it starts and it kind of they have their favorite characters and they like specific things so it's definitely a great opportunity so but again i look at your laundry list of projects jessica and the short time we have let's let's list some more of them give us some other things that are updated so our listeners out there can check you out for other things not just ladies of the lake you have some other stuff coming up too don't you yeah well you know i just finished doing another lifetime movie called the wrong man and uh that is going to be pretty awesome. I really like this. I've done a lot of those movies. I've done, like, The Wrong Roommate, The Wrong Student. And, um, you know, they keep making these, you know, turning these movies out. But this one I think is going to be really fun and really sexy and really dynamic. Um, Vivica Fox is in this one again. And um, Rip Hillis is in it and does a fantastic job. Uh, yeah, so that you should look out for probably in the next few months. Um, I've got a comedy called The Hollywood Inch that's available on iTunes currently. And I'm just working on a bunch of writing projects. I uh, All of a sudden, I just developed a little writing career. And so any free time that I have, I'm writing. Fantastic. So you, so you enjoy writing. So that just adds another 
uh, part of, uh, of your repertoire so that, hey, you know, not just I don't just, you know, act, but I also can write. So what types of things are you writing? Are you trying to write uh, different uh, movies, television? What is, yeah, what is your plan? I, yeah. I got the opportunity to um, I'd written a drama thriller script a couple of years ago and kind of put it. Um, and we kind of developed it into a great Lifetime movie. And since I've done a handful of Lifetime movies already, I kind of uh, already know the format anyway, but, you know, the writing format is a totally different thing. So um, I I did that, and now I'm also um, developing two more, you know, Lifetime drama thriller movies. So I guess it was sort of an easy transition to go from them because I'm just already sort of in that world. Yeah, you definitely seem for sure in that world. And what do you think of the fans in Lifetime? They really are into it, aren't they? These movies that come out. Yeah, oh, they love it. Yeah. They're so funny on Twitter. When you when you're watching the movie and the people that tweet in, they're great. It's like they love the shirtless men and the crazy women. That's why I just really want to play. Always plays like the victim, you know, like the, the protagonist, which is great too. I mean, I love being the lead, like you know, ingenue or whatever. But like I. I would love to, that's what I'm writing for myself. One of the pieces I'm writing for myself to play is one where I can just go, you know, all out crazy. Hey, that's that's what it is. You got to entertain, right? And you're definitely coming uh, with a platform to do that. And in Lifetime, definitely some of these men make the wrong decisions on Lifetime with these uh, different <laughs> yeah. things. And, and 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 it happens in real life as well, Jessica, and that men just don't make always the right decisions. We we all understand. Yeah, neither do women. None of, none of us do. Let's none of us real. do. And then we can kind of live vicariously through characters like yourself instead of making a big mistake. <laughs> instead, as right, you talk yeah, about it. In, in real life, there's consequences. You know, if you do something <laughs> bad or crazy in real life, all of a sudden you're having to pay for it and you're having to take responsibility, and that's never fun. But as when you're acting, you know, as a character, you can just do whatever you want, and then they don't cut and. And you're free and clear. It's awesome. There's no more worries, exactly, and and so that, that's for sure. Yeah. So, so Jessica, the best place we can find information on you and connect with you on social media and stuff, everyone needs to check out again Amazon's Ladies of the Lake and also all your other projects. But best place, I'm sure, you seem like you're really connected social media wise that we can connect with you so that you can go out and tell our listeners what your latest stuff is. Where can we go? Um, yeah, Jessica Morris one and Jessica A Morris. Fantastic. Uh, Jessica, you're definitely, yeah. uh, definitely a treat. Now, now you have to reach out to these book fans. This is what Amazon yeah, is going to say. It's easy with the lifetime and, and, and it is easy with the other. You wouldn't believe, but you'll see a different type of social media audience, but ones that really like those mysteries. So uh, definitely uh, good talking to you. I hope great success on all the other projects. And I, I'm, I'm impressed by the writing as well. Keep that up as well. That's going to keep you. Thank keep you so working. much. I really enjoyed talking to you. And it was great yeah. talking to you and best of luck. Take care. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Neil Haley show. And we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Neil Haley Show. You could check me out on Twitter at TuttleTutor and NeilHaley.com. And I am so excited about my guests today, guests today. And uh, they have been doing the radio thing for a while, but before that, unbelievable Hollywood stories for sure. So I'm excited to welcome the program couple, Larry and Nancy Minetti. Guys, thanks for calling. And we know Larry from Magnum PI. Uh, we know Nancy from Magnum PI Hello. and all that stuff. Guys, thanks for calling and being on the show. I appreciate it. Hey, Neil, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, Larry, let's go to the story of, uh, I think the best story is, you know, you had your, your part on Magnum P.I., but did you meet Nancy there? Is that where you guys met? No, we met way before that. Oh, really? Okay. I don't, actually, we met at the actor Robert Conrad's house. Really? Wow. Interesting. And uh, Nancy, yeah, went... good. Go ahead, Nancy. Go ahead, Neil. Oh, I was going to say, so Nancy, tell us how you guys met. You went, met at Robert Conrad's house, and was it love at first sight, Nancy? Well, <laughs> no, it was like at first sight, and uh, Larry and I became very good friends. Uh, we didn't really date in the beginning. Uh, 
I went on double dates with him, and uh, I had a boyfriend. He had girlfriends, and somehow, over the years, it just kind of evolved. And um, the next thing Larry knew is we were married. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Cupid status arrow. So, so, and then, yeah. um, of course, Larry got Magnum PI, and uh, I was pregnant with our our child, and there was an actor strike, so they postponed the beginning of Magnum, and when they finally settled the strike, and Larry had to leave for Hawaii, it was too late for me to fly. So I was due in about a month, and my doctor said no. So Larry went off. I had our wonderful son, Lorenzo, here in L.A., and three weeks later, I got on the plane and flew to Hawaii and got off and handed Larry his son. Wow, wow, Larry. Uh, tremendous story. So was she, she's saying she was interested in you in a little bit, but how interested were you and Nancy when you first met her? Well, I was pretty interested, but I wasn't about to let her know. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were, uh, you know, at, at that time, I was doing a television series called Baba Black Sheep. And uh, I was pretty young then, uh, the start of my career. And... Uh, in those days, everybody dated, you know, it wasn't like today. Um, so we were both, you know, in different restaurants and different nightclubs, and we just became real good friends. You know, Neil, I got to tell you, I think sometimes that's really a great way because you really get to know the person. It's not, you know, a first date, a second date. And we became really good friends, and I think, that's why we've been married almost 40 years now. That, that's tremendous. So you guys became friends, Larry, before finally dating in certain ways because you were all in, like, the same circles together. And you're like, hey, this seems like somebody. And, and, I, and we get along and have fun. And that's the key thing to a lasting marriage, isn't it, Larry? Friendship. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, in any relationship, I believe that, you know, you've got to be friends. you got to have a camaraderie ship with somebody and then to take that step to be married. Divorce was not even in our vocabulary, and uh, we both were very strict about that. We knew that we'd never be divorced, and we knew that we, when we did find the right person, that was it. So it, it paid off. We're still together, and like Nancy said, it's over 40 years. And it'll be another 140 more. That's that's fantastic for sure. Now, Larry, tell us a story about uh, getting the gig with Magnum PI. How did that How did that happen? Well, I was under contract Universal Studios, and um, I had already completed a series called Chase uh, for Universal, and then uh, Robert Conrad wanted me very badly uh, in his new series called Baba Black Sheep. So he, I did that. And then uh, we were canceled after a couple of years. And uh, I was speculating the idea of doing Simon and Simon for Universal. And I was pretty set on it. And I got a call from Don Belisario who was the writer, executive producer of uh, Magnum. And he said, listen, I've got this great role. It's called Rick. And you portray Humphrey Bogart. And uh, you think you're Humphrey Bogart. And you do lines <laughs> like Humphrey Bogart. And you dress like Humphrey Bogart. And I thought this guy was nuts. But I said, well... It sounds interesting, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about doing another show. Who's starring in this new series? And he said, a new actor named Tom Selleck. Well, ironically, 
two weeks prior to that, I did, um, what the heck was the name of that thing? I can't remember. Oh, that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll take it. Anyway, I, I had worked with Tom on a, on a series uh, as guest stars, and I thought that this guy was the most magnificent-looking man on film. And when he said Tom Selleck, I figured, well, with this new guy, I got to take a chance. So that's how it happened. And uh, I was always on a lease when I did a show. I never believed it would last long. I thought that when I went to Hawaii, I would be there for a couple of weeks back <laughs> and looking for another day. That, that's interesting. So you didn't know if the show, Larry, would last or not last. Because, again, you knew the business and how the business works. And some shows do well and others. And you just heard this premise of this show. And you said, really, am I going to luck out to get to go to Hawaii <laughs> to shoot all the time and live in paradise pretty much uh, to for a gig? It's too good to be true, right? Yeah, well, I had done... Uh... Rockford File. Oh, the, the name of the show I did with Selig was called The Rockford File. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With James Garner. But uh, I had done Baba Black Sheep, The Chase, and then I did a short-lived series called The Duke. So, in my mind, these series were not here to stay. So, I thought for sure, you know, I'd be back in a couple of weeks. I didn't think Magnum would uh, last long. I know it was terrific, but uh, the day I was at the supermarket and saw all the magazine covers of Tom Selleck's picture, I said, <laughs> oh, boy, yes. this looks like it's bulletproof. Yep, him being a heartthrob kept that show getting great ratings then, Larry, right? That everyone, all women wanted to see him all the time. Yeah, well, Selleck... Selleck was very, very big. I mean, he's he still is. He's universal. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Nancy, what did you think of this whole situation when you were watching this uh, Magnum PI develop and Larry's uh, getting such a huge uh, opportunity with Magnum PI? Oh, I thought it was magnificent. I was uh, just so proud of the show. And I have to tell you, being... Uh, being there, and I I lived there off and on with our son. Um, I would get homesick and fly home once in a while, but um, I got to tell you, the camaraderie between the guys was just magical. They would, they would literally have dinner almost every night together after shooting all day. They played jokes on each other. It was, and I, I've been in the business since I was a little girl, been on a lot of sets, and I have to say, the Magnum PI set was one of the best ones I've ever seen. It was a happy, happy show. Definitely uh, seems like that. And Larry, you guys felt like a family, right? How many years was this uh, the show? How long did it last? It was eight and a half. Eight and a half. So really, that's a huge family development and relationships, right, Larry, with the people on the show. Definitely. You know, the guys still talk to each other. Um, in fact, Larry was on the phone with Tom this morning. Oh, wow. So, you know, yeah, the beat goes on. It's great. That's fantastic. So it's, it's, it's and that's what, that's what acting does, right, Larry? Especially when you spend a lot of time with the same people every day for so long that it, it becomes your family, right? In a lot of ways. Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. There okay. are shows that I've done that you don't adhere to the cast. Uh, you know, there's always some goofball somewhere, but uh, Magnum was created in heaven when they cast Magnum and put all of us together. It was a chemistry that could not be beat, and uh, it paid off to this day. You can see the camaraderie and the chemistry between us all. And we already truly not only liked each other, but I think, honestly, 
We really love each other. I talk to Selleck all the time and uh, have great memories. It's uh, something that will last till the day they close the lid on the coffin. <laughs> and, and and how did that friendship develop, Larry? Because you, you worked with him once before, but once you started working with him, what made that relationship so well on set and, I guess, off as well, you and Tom? Well, he's just a wonderful guy. I mean, uh, like I said, everybody... Everybody there was very sharing. Uh, nobody was a hog or a pig. Uh, we all uh, talked about our roles when we were on the set. If something didn't work, we talked about it. I mean, it was a congenial uh, set, and uh, we abided by what was right. In other words, uh, everybody had their code for what they dressed. Uh, I dressed in white collars and cuffs and really stiffy, selling dressed in a lot of polo. <laughs> John Hillerman was very English. And Roger wore overalls and a T-shirt because he was a helicopter pilot. So, I mean, it, it uh, you know, when you do a film, you have a code, and it's called the Bible. And the Bible states where you're from, who your mother and father was, what the city was like, what your upbringing was like. And that's what you base your role on and kind of critique your way through the show. And I was a Chicago guy that lived on a fence of right and wrong. I was not a bad guy. I wasn't a criminal. But I turned my head a little bit if somebody was going to slip a $100 bill in my hand. Uh, where Selleck was the uprighteous guy, we all were in the in the war in Vietnam. Uh, I don't think I wanted to be there, but I was. And I was a machine gunner on Rogers, who was DC's helicopter, and Tom was on it. And, uh, you know, it, it all worked out. The, the way they specify uh, a story right. is not right. only, yeah. always the way it comes out. Now, Nancy, what was your favorite uh, part, I guess, episode or different thing that Larry acted in the whole time he was on Magnum P.I.? Because you could take that role as, as, as the wife seeing uh, his work and stuff like that. What was your favorite uh, part of uh, that whole series? Wonderful. The one I was in. <laughs> no, the one you were in. Okay, tell us a little bit about that. So, and then I want to ask a little bit about Buck yeah. Rogers because I'm a huge Buck Rogers fan. But go ahead, uh, Nancy, and tell us, you know, oh, some specific. Yeah, tell us about that yeah, I episode. Did. Yeah. I, yeah. I guest starred on Magnum. I had a Magnum episode called Magnum Pride. Computer Date. And I was married to an older man. Um, and I was having an affair with Rick. And Tom was doing an investigation for my husband, hired by him. And Tom finds out, or Magnum finds out, that Rick is having an affair with this guy's wife, who was me. So we had a lot of fun, and uh, I just so enjoyed it. And, in fact, it was on the other day. My husband and I watched it. And what's cool is, that uh, we'll always have that piece of film together. So that was really a joy. That's an easy way to to not have to really act, right, Nancy? <laughs> With the whole that whole episode, in a way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I had to tell him I didn't love him, so that was a bit of a stretch. <laughs> but <laughs> but it was. It was a lot of fun. And, and it's what's amazing about Magnum P.I. is those episodes are still on TV all the time, and you get the opportunity, and it's it's something that will never die. Tom Selleck is just, it's absolutely amazing. Now, Nancy, one other question I wanted to jump real quick was Buck Rogers. What would you say was the, the, the more reoccurring situation stuff? I'm a huge Buck Rogers fan, by the way, but I wanted to know, you know, if you were looking at your acting uh, resume, especially because of marrying Larry, having children and and you know uh basically being there for him in certain ways when was buck rogers before magnum or after no that was before um 
That was about a year before. Um, Larry and I were not even married then um, when I did it. And uh, I absolutely adored that. It, it, was a, it was a very long shoot. Uh, I think it was a two-hour episode. And it was just so much fun. Um, I just had a ball doing it. The only thing were I had these boots on that came up to my thighs, which was fine. But the heels were so high, my feet ached every night. But it was just a lot of fun. I got to play this woman who was a killer and had my ray gun. It was like playing, uh, like being a cowboy in the future. Absolutely. And that's such a great opportunity. So now, Larry, you and Nancy... Uh, got in the radio business in a way with a radio show and that uh, you had a radio show from 2011 to 2016. Tell us why do you guys kind of got together and wanted to do a radio show in that way? Well, I don't know. The, uh, the radio show called us and wanted us to do it. And that was nuts about it at first because I had been asked many times to do radio shows but uh, I said, if we do it, I want to interview uh, actors and uh, baseball players, football players. Right, right, yeah. And do it in own way. And uh, if you play music on our show, you got to play the kind of music I like. I don't want any of that goofy stuff you can't understand. So, I mean, basically, that's how it happened. And uh, the radio show became a great success. Interesting. And how did you guys work together, Nancy, when you were doing it before? And now bringing it back, we're going to talk about how it's a little different this time than the first time. But, Nancy, how did you guys work together? My wife and I, here's a little story. The way I started out in radio is at a college radio station seven years ago, and we did a pilot. And uh, it was a local out in Pittsburgh. And basically, my wife and I had to do it together, uh, the uh, pilot episode. She, didn't, she stopped doing the radio show thing very quickly because she's a school teacher. But uh, we, we started out together in that way. And I always remember, because she's, she's, she's very talented, yet busy with our five kids that and, and teaching to ever back, be back in radio again. But, Nancy, how did it feel working with Larry like that and, and that opportunity to go back and forth and, 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 and play off each other on the show? Oh, it's fine. Um, you know, we've, we've uh, been together many, many years, and we were always known for hosting big parties in our house, and everybody wanted to go to the Manettis. Um Larry taught me how to cook, and and we we loved to cook, and we would we would cook for all of our friends and have a great time. And everybody used to always tell us, "You guys should work together. You two are so funny together. You get along so great." So the radio show was was really terrific. <clears throat> and the other thing I want to bring up, Neil, is that Larry wrote a wonderful book called Aloha Magnum. And uh, it's available at LarryMinetti.com. And it's a compilation of all the shenanigans that went on on the Magnum set and behind the scenes. And uh, it's a fabulous book because, like I said, we are, we're cooks and we have recipes in there. Awesome. And Larry yeah. went through and did a big episode guide and made comments about all the each episode and the guest stars. Oh, that's a great. Little riff on each one. So, Aloha Magnum is really a great book. So, yeah, Larry, so that, that's, a, that's a must for a Magnum PI fan to purchase your book, isn't it? Absolutely. And I give your listeners a tip don't go on Amazon because right now they've got some used books on there and they're very, very expensive. So the only place you can get them now is LarryMinetti.com. Excellent. Now, Larry, uh, was that a blast writing that book and, and reminiscing on each one of the episodes? Can you repeat that? No, I said, was that a blast rewriting that book and re reminiscing about all your experiences on Magnum PI? Um, it was fun. I mean, yeah. 
when you reminisce, you think it was a labor of love, I tell you. It took a, quite a long time to do it because, um, you know, you, as you know, you think about things in the middle of the night while you're sleeping. You think about things where you're in the bathroom. So <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I, I had a fellow here that was taking notes, and I had to really squeeze this stuff out of my brain. But once it starts coming out, it flows. That's great. And that's that's definitely a must for sure. Now, Nancy, how's the show going to be different than the show that the, everyone did enjoy for so many years, for the years that you did it, where you're having guests and different things? The show's going to be a little bit different this time, right, Nancy? The one that's about to debut. Yes, yes. It will be a little bit different. Um, we're not necessarily going to interview someone every week, although we will be interviewing people sporadically. Um, I give a recipe out every week because, like I said, I love to cook. And Larry's going to be telling some of his wonderful stories. You know, Larry is very blessed to be friendly with a lot of iconic people, um, such as Ernest Borgnine, Robert Conrad, R.J. Wagner, Mike Connors, who was Mannix, and on and on. So he has some fabulous stories to tell. So he kind of gives out one of his wonderful stories every week. <clears throat> we have people that call in, and the time I must say goes very quickly. And and is that fun, Larry, interviewing your friends? That's that's an easy thing, right? When they come on and you know them very well and stuff like that. It's pretty simple, right? I, you know, I I can't hear you. Oh yeah, no, 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 no! I'm sorry, Larry. No, I was saying, uh, is, is it was was it fun? It's fun interviewing your friends, right? That you've you've come across with from uh, and things like that, and they come on the show. It's really easy to have a good conversation and get information that some other people might not know about that guest, right? Yeah. Well, you know, being an actor, I know the right buttons to push. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. No actor like. Nobody likes, uh, if you're in the public eye, you don't like personal questions because it isn't right. Uh, but I know the questions they ask, and these are fun. Look, our show's a, a fun show. We don't uh, get involved in politics. I don't uh, look at people and say, you're this or you're that. So I don't, you know, I don't want any cards and letters. Uh it's a fun, fun show. We ask questions uh, like Frank Sinatra was a good friend. Elvis Presley is in the book. I mean, there's many, many people that I work with over the years that I've interviewed. And uh, you got you to gotta tread lightly. You know, it's uh, I've never had anybody hang up or say anything. And I ask questions of them which I would like to be asked myself. That's fantastic for sure. So, Nancy, where's the best place? When is the new show debuting and where people can find it? Especially, I know you're going to have the archives after the show airs as well, but where is the best place people can go to find out about your show? Well, we, we go live on Tuesdays, every Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific time, and then they rerun on the weekends. And you just go to crntalk.com, and um, there you have it. Just go to uh, the lounge with Larry and Nancy Manetti, and uh, you can listen to the archive or listen live to the show on Tuesdays. That's that's fantastic, and and I think that what. Larry, I'm sure you're excited since the day when you first started a radio show, how podcasting is growing so much now. It's becoming such a huge opportunity to have the archive episodes for people to listen to when they want to listen to them. It's a great thing, and people are more and more into these longer interviews and longer uh, discussions and stories because people are choosing now to listen to podcasts than the, just the same, same old, same old things that are available on the radio every day. Right, Larry? Oh, I think it's phenomenal. You know, when I was a kid, I was 12, I started out on WOPA on a radio station, and, oh, they used to critique, critique everything. Uh, today, the way uh, the iPods are, and you can go anywhere and listen to anything, I think it's phenomenal. 
today, um, listen, this world is different. And uh, years ago, you couldn't tune in and hear us talk about Frank Sinatra and all the personal stories and about Elvis Presley. I think it's neat. I really do. I definitely do, and I'm so glad that radio is surviving in a different way, and I'm happy that, because people just love to just listen to stories, and that's the kind of thing that, Larry, you you, Larry, you and uh, Nancy were able to give us today, for sure. The best place to find information on you. Nancy, are you guys on social media, you and Larry, uh, that people can connect, or is it more best the website? Are you guys doing social media as well? Um, a little bit, um... You can email Larry at the real Larry Minetti, um, or you can email him at LarryMinetti.com, which is the website. Um, we don't do a lot of social media, you know. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.